Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yo, yo, welcome to Stargazing, a show about the figures and influencers that surround the superstars in NBA culture. I'm Yovan Buha, NBA reporter at The Athletic. Joining us now is Austin J. Mills. Austin is a host for the NBA and E! News. He's a media multi-hyphenate. He's a content creator, broadcaster, DJ, realtor, business owner, and foodie. I'm sure I'm, le- I'm sure I'm leaving some stuff off the list, but uh, he's constantly going viral for trick shots. He's hanging out with NBA players and celebrities off the court. He's one of the hardest workers in the business. He's everywhere and he does it all. Austin, my man, thank you for doing this. How are you doing today? I'm great, Jay. Thank you for the amazing introduction. That was too kind of you. Um, I'm great. Pumped to be here. Uh, let, let's start with this. How and when did you fall in love with basketball? I mean, it goes way back to when I was a kid. Uh, My dad played basketball in college or was supposed to play in college at University of Texas. And he always had a love for the game. And I think because he got injured and was never able to play, he always kind of wanted to have it run through myself. We went to Laker games since I was a little kid. My grandpa had season tickets and passed them down to my dad. And so we've been going to games since I was one year old. So you fall in love with basketball and then you end up playing at Pepperdine and Baylor. How did that experience shape your career and and why did you pursue the college basketball path? Basketball was always a passion of mine. I wanted to play in the NBA. That was always the goal. Pepperdine was a close school for my friends and family to come see me play. So that's why I originally started at Pepperdine. Basketball culture isn't crazy at Pepperdine. You know, you don't get a ton of fans and People don't really love basketball at Pepperdine. So um, I looked to transfer and ended up at Baylor, and which was an amazing experience for me. I got to play on a really high level, play in two NCAA tournaments and play in a town where basketball and football were basically everything. So that was an amazing experience. And honestly, both have shaped me in crazy ways. Just, you know, being surrounded by NBA players in college, uh, meeting a bunch of NBA players in college. And obviously, I started my social media career when I was at Baylor. So College was just a major takeoff for everything that I'm doing now. So what what got you into doing trick shots and, and pursuing social media while you were at Baylor? Yeah, so my senior year, I, I was still keeping the dream alive to play professional basketball. And I was probably in the gym more than anybody else. And because of that, uh, one night I was in the gym with some friends that were visiting and made a couple shots in a row from deep. And they were like, yo, you should record this post this and social media wasn't really a thing at the time it wasn't really like content creators and a business and that whole thing and so we kind of just threw it up on social media and started getting recognition for it and you know I started having people notice on campus and people texting me and calling me uh that they had seen my videos so I knew I was onto something and kind of just ran with it do you remember the first moment you went viral for sure created the first video and the numbers just kind of flew and I was like what is happening 
every time I would post a viral video, I'd get like three to 4,000 followers, which now obviously doesn't really happen. But at the time I was like, what is happening? And I remember the first kid on campus that said like, I saw your video when I was walking around and I was like, okay, I need to keep doing this. <laughs> uh, what, what's the key to a good trick shot and how long, I mean, now at this point you, you've done so many of them, but like how long is the process of coming up with the shot and then actually executing it? Walk us through the process of that. Yeah. So I, honestly, I don't really do them as much anymore. It's kind of what really got me started. And, you know, now I, you see me post them a little bit, but now they're definitely more thought out. I used to just kind of be in the gym and just think of crazy stuff to do and just kind of do it and record it. And, um, you know, it might take anywhere from five tries to 55 tries, just depending <laughs> on what whatever the shot is. Um I used to spend hours on those videos and now, you know, it, it's just it, in all the content that I post, whether it's trick shot videos or other videos, I'm just thinking like, what's going to make this video go viral or what's going to make this someone share this video. And I think that's a lot of the times when I talk to people who want help on social media, it's like the number one thing you need to think is what's going to make somebody share this video. And then how did doing these trick shots lead to you connecting with the NBA? And what was that moment like when you became a host for the NBA because that's obviously you know, a dream job for a lot of people. Yeah, very crazy situation how that happened. Uh, like I said, social media wasn't really popping yet. It wasn't really a business yet. And so I'd created these videos and I had a random employee from the NBA slide in my DMs, which also really wasn't a thing at the time, like sliding people's <laughs> DMs, especially for business purposes. And so they just messaged me and I wasn't really sure if it was the NBA or not because it wasn't like the official account. It was just like an employee. They reached out and said, you know, we want to do something for uh, the NBA combine in Chicago. And it was actually perfect timing because this is like right after I graduated. So I was still kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I wasn't sure if I wanted to go play overseas professionally or, you know, go pursue some sort of other job. But this was just kind of like the best alternative. You know, I went and just tried it in Chicago and it worked really well and just continued to work with them over time. What appeals to you about hosting versus, you know, you're mentioning going overseas or uh, like, what, what do you like about it so much? Yeah. I mean, I grew up like a huge fan of the Ryan Seacrest, the Michael Strahan's, you know, Bob Barker. Like I just used to watch a lot of those shows as a kid and people always kind of laugh at me when I say like, oh, I watched The Price is Right. And, you know, I watched the Food Channel and I think I was always just kind of like an old soul in a younger body and loved the concept and the idea of TV hosts and, and producing shows. And so I always had a passion for that and still do. And I always say that, you know, the Ryan Seacrest, the Michael Strahan's, the Ellen DeGeneres of the world are people that I look up to and aspire to be. You're good because that was going to be my next question. Uh, in doing prep for this, I, I've seen Ryan Seacrest mentioned a lot. So what, what type of influence has he specifically had on your career? Being such a likable personality, I think is the biggest thing for me. One thing that I've had in my life is I've always wanted people to like me and I've always wanted to be an entertainer. And I think he does a really good job of connecting everyone on a mainstream level, like from a little kid to a 85 year old woman, like people just really are attached to him and like him as a person and as an entertainer. And I think aside from the hosting, the producing as well, just, you know, he produces things that he believes in. He was one of the first producers on the Kardashians, which is obviously now probably one of the biggest shows on TV and has been in the last 10 years. And so um, just, I think, a combination of those things. What's the best thing about being a content creator and, and what's the worst thing? Because I think from the outside looking in, it, it looks like the most fun job in the world and 
um, you know, I think everyone now, like kids growing up, the number one thing they want to do is is YouTube or, or TikTok or, or Instagram. But uh, I guess as someone who's in it on a daily basis, like what what are the, what are the perks, and then what are the downsides or, or some of the the struggles that you deal with? Yeah, um, I mean, obviously, perks uh, are just being able to connect with tons of people. Um, with great brands, go to great events, those sorts of things. I mean, obviously, the you know we see all the highlights of what it's like to be like an influencer. But I think on the flip side, it's also you know a lot of content creators, influencers are getting bad stigmas because of you know certain people in that world. There's just a lot of creators now, um, and so some people just don't have the best look. I think people need to realize how much time and effort actually goes into this, especially like when you're doing a wide variety of creating content for yourself, creating content for brands, creating content that puts you in a good light. And, you know, there's a lot of people that don't really care about how they look in certain lights. And and I really do. And so a combination of those two two things. And then also like, you know, reading comments is tough sometimes, whether you, you get great comments and you get negative comments. So, and you're always, you're not going to be able to please everyone. So I would say that that's one of the harder parts for sure. What what are some of the challenges you've had to deal with personally? I guess have you dealt with any of that stigma stuff, or um, just you know people having maybe a certain perception based on social media? Yeah, I I think the the hardest thing for me is that just like I mentioned earlier, I I would like to please everybody, um, and I've created content in the past. Like when I went to Fire Festival, for example, <laughs> that was not something I was planning on. Yeah. You know, I I wasn't paid to be there. Some people thought that and there was like some weird stigma about like rich kids going to this festival and, you know, just a lot of negative comments in that video and just trying to please everybody and make everybody happy. But honestly, on social media, it's not possible. You kind of get get over that. You kind of became one of the faces uh, of the guests who attended. Like what, what was that? I guess, when did you realize it was going to be as big as it ended up being? I tell a lot of people this, it was easily one of the worst days of my life. Like it was full disaster. And I was really one of the only people there that actually created the content. And once we were there and noticed that things were an actual disaster and Twitter's, you know, it became trending on Twitter and viral on everything. And I think while we were there in that moment, checking our phones, you know, we're like in the airport, like trying to get the hell out of there and seeing tweets on Twitter, like things are burning down and gunshots are fired and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, we're freaking out because we have no idea what's actually happening. But obviously, once we saw the pickup on social and on Twitter, we, we realized this was going to be nuts. And then the minute we landed in Miami, there was like news and media waiting to talk to us. So nothing we expected, <laughs> I'll tell you that. Are you able to to look back on that kind of and almost la- like laugh at it a little bit like years no, later? No, for sure. I mean, I mean, looking back on it, we it was a bonding moment between me and my like 12 friends that went there. In the moment, I think we were a lot more paranoid than, you know, looking back, looking back, we were... We were like, okay, we were going to be okay. Got a lot of coverage from it. So they always say uh, whatever whatever media you can get is good media. You tested out the three-point competition at All-Star Weekend and posted a score of a 26. How do you think you would do to let you join? Because we, we saw like Mac McClung brought back the dunk contest this year and you know, there's kind of been talk about, you know, do they expand the dunk contest? You know, obviously he just got signed with the Sixers at the time, but, you know, kind of expanding it to, to G League. And uh, if they added you into the three-point shootout, how do you think you would do? I definitely think it would be cool, a, a cool concept to add a creator or, you know, like a specialist into these sorts of contests. 
the dunk contest, for example, I think is something that, you know, like the creator or the or the specialist, like a Chris Staples, for example, would go and win that dunk contest. I mean, no one can beat him. He's like dunking for a living. So I think it'd be interesting just to see that one year. Um, when it's, when it comes to three point shooting, I, I think it's really interesting. I mean, I would obviously prepare and put a lot of time into it. I didn't have that when I was in Utah. I kind of just jumped out there and, you know, the altitude makes a difference and I don't really work out and train like I used to. So by the time I'm getting to like the second to last rack, I'm exhausted. Like people don't realize how tiring that three point contest is. And so if I had some time to prepare, I think it would make a huge difference, but also it's a lot easier to say that when the lights aren't on and shining on you with all those people on national television. So it could be a totally different story, but um, I think if I had some time to prepare, it would really help. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. You're close with a bunch of players. You mentioned uh, your experience at Baylor and uh, just getting to meet a bunch of guys, but Royce O'Neal, Torian Prince, Donovan Mitchell, Kevin Herter, DeMontis Sabonis, just to name a few. Uh, as someone who hangs out with a lot of these guys off the court, what's the biggest misconception of NBA players? I think that a lot of people forget that they're just normal human beings. You know, I think because they're on TV and because they're uh, like these big figures in sports, people just kind of say whatever. And, you know, like we laugh a lot of times because we'll like look at their DMs or see the messages that they get of people like cussing them out because they, you know, like ruined their parlay or like things like that. And people don't realize how nuts they would go if someone randomly DM'd them. Like the, the average person, if someone else randomly DM'd them and was like cussing them out, they would have a hissy fit. And so I think a lot of people forget and don't realize that they're just like normal people who live pretty normal lives and have families that they're trying to put food on the table for. 
Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, as someone who is in the media, like I, I myself, you know, I've written a few negative stories that I've gotten some backlash for. And it's like just getting, I mean, nowhere near the scope of an NBA player, but even just getting a few negative DMs or threats or whatever, like it, it is very jarring. And I, I can't imagine what that's like on a daily basis. Do you have any, do you have any I- iconic night out stories that you can share? Yeah, I actually I actually went to dinner with Tony and Prince last night because they're in town. They play the Lakers tonight. And he's one of my best friends from college. And a story that I love to tell about Torian is Torian was always like kind of under the radar. He was never seen as like an NBA player, you know, his first couple years in college. And he started to kind of hit draft boards like end of junior year, senior year. And I luckily had the experience to be able to be at the draft with him. Uh, our senior year or after our senior year and Torian wasn't supposed to be drafted in the lottery and as you know the lottery picks get put like on the floor in front of the stage and kind of all the later picks get put up in the stands and so Torian was projected like in the 20s after the 11th pick 12th pick comes and they announce Torian Prince and the light shines was shining like on the floor where the lottery picks are sitting and went up in the stands and kind of everyone you know sitting on the floor waiting for the lottery like so everyone from the floor like looks up into the stands to kind of see what the hell's going on. And we kind of all stand up and look at each other and freak out because it was just a very, very amazing moment to share between all of us, especially for someone that's always been so overlooked to be drafted so early and for everyone to kind of be looking around and looking up at us. It's an amazing moment to share with, you know, one of my closest friends from college. You grew up in uh, in Beverly Hills and your mom is one of the most successful real estate agents in the country. Uh, you know, we were talking about like, stigma or having to fight certain perceptions like have you had to fight any of those as you've come up and you know from afar i can say um you know we don't know each other too well but i I know how hard you work and i see you at so many things so i know that uh you know everything you've gotten you've earned but i guess have you had to kind of fight that rich kid perception and and what's that been like kind of navigating that yeah well first of all thank you i appreciate that um second of all yes uh definitely had to fight that stigma when i was growing up this is kind of the coolest thing about my family and their success and just kind of growing together is that when i was a kid my mom was not where she was and neither was my dad and we kind of you know we lived in a very humble place a very humble house in west hollywood it was not beverly hills and it was not what it is today for sure and so i think a lot of what i was able to see growing up was the the grind and the hustle that both of my parents were on and you know that's my mom waking up early in the morning and answering emails at late at night and my dad you know doing all of her stuff and doing his stuff and so just being able to see their hustle as i got older is kind of what made that hustle in myself. And obviously, once they started becoming more successful, we moved into Beverly Hills. And I could only go to Beverly Hills High School if I lived in Beverly Hills. So my freshman year, I almost got kicked out of school because I didn't live in Beverly Hills. And then we moved into the city so I could go to Beverly Hills. But yeah, for sure, getting colleges to come watch me play at Beverly Hills High School with long, shaggy hair being like, you know, not really passing the eye test was definitely something I struggled with for sure. And I could never understand why I wasn't getting recruited to bigger, better schools. You know, I was averaging like almost 30 and 10 as a senior in high school and playing very, very good teams and just dominating and putting in the work and like doing everything I was supposed to do and not getting the offers I was, I was hoping for and really not getting too many offers at all and couldn't ever figure it out. And then it kind of continued on into college as well. And so I was always just fighting, 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 working my ass off and everything. And, you know, I just kind of figured later 
all this hard work will pay off, whether it's, you know, in basketball or something else. And so that's just my vision on it today is just to continue to keep pushing. People are going to say what they're going to want to say. And just as long as you keep your head down, good things are going to happen to you. We mentioned earlier about uh, everyone these days kind of wanting to be a content creator. Um, as someone who's doing it on a daily basis, like what's your, let's just say an average day? Like I know your days are, are probably so different, you know, depending on if you're traveling or, or, you know, if you're hosting multiple things in a day or whatever. But like, let's just say an, an average day, um, what's your schedule like in terms of, uh, you know, uh, meetings and, and recording stuff and, and planning stuff? And like, how do you go about, uh, just your content creation process. That's one thing I would love to get better at is trying to schedule out the content and plan the content as much as possible. I do a really, really crappy job of that. And I think it is because there's just so many different things going on that it's very hard to plan things out like that. Like I was in the music studio yesterday and um, you know I'm doing like a video shoot today for something else. Like it's just kind of all really scattered. And so a lot of the stuff that I do, I'll kind of figure out like a couple days before. And so, you know, stuff just comes up all the time. And whether it's, you know, going to an event or a game or whatever the case may be, it's just always like trying to figure out like what's the next thing that I can be at or that I, you know, that will be most beneficial to myself. So there really is no schedule. Um, it's usually figured out like a day or two before. And it's usually a combination of like maybe doing a showing for real estate, producing music for DJing. A lot of what I do is just kind of on the fly texting and making phone calls, I'm sure, which is the same for you. You know, people see me on my phone all the time. I'm not just looking at TikTok videos, you know, I'm like <laughs> texting people to set up meetings or, you know, whatever the case may be. But a lot is done just kind of on the fly on my phone. How do you balance doing all those things? Because I, I know, uh, you know, for, for me, uh, it's it's a struggle to balance the, the the social life and um just finding time for myself to to rest and um you know and and so you know you're doing so many different things like how, how do you does that almost like energize you kind of you know, being able to okay I can step away from basketball now I'm I'm gonna try to sell this house or uh, I'm gonna go in the music studio or uh you know does that like how, how do you kind of balance your, your energy levels with that. Yeah, it for sure energizes me. The work definitely energizes me, but there are times where I do need to take a step back. Um, I've been with my girlfriend a very long time now and and figuring out, you know, time to make for her is very, is very important. I would say I play in a basketball league like two nights a week, which is a, a big stress reliever for myself. And it's kind of makes me go to that, which is great. Um, so I would say between the basketball league and making plans with my girlfriend um, are two kind of things that help me get away from work. And once in a while, like yesterday, I took a 45 minute nap at like five o'clock because I was just so exhausted. And I was like, you know, what? just for myself, I really need to get this nap in so I can recharge and, you know, like be my full self for whatever the next thing may be. Do you have an I made it moment in your career? Um, I don't know if I would necessarily say I had an I made it moment. I, I think everything is continuously growing for myself. I, I like to constantly kind of push and, and keep doing things and keep growing. And, you know, I'd like to be able to have my hand in as much as I possibly can, whether that's, you know, hosting, DJing, real estate. Um, I mean, my mom and I sold a hundred million dollar house last year, which was amazing. A very good friend of mine. So a very cool moment in real estate. Not too many people get to sell a hundred million dollar houses. Um, I had a show with E News, my own show on digital car show with E News last year, which was huge, obviously, in my hosting career and kind of helps with everything else hosting going forward. We've been basically DJed 
all the hottest clubs in Miami, New York, LA last year. So just like continuing to grow on these things, you know, like maybe possibly getting some sort of DJ residency this year. I'm potentially working on a real estate show, which would be awesome, uh, pitching a few more shows for hosting. So like, it's just continuously being able to grow on the things that I've already already started to, you know, start that climb on. Do you have a dream job? Because I've seen you mentioning like maybe a late night show or a morning show, but then also uh, having like a food network show. Uh, you're a big foodie. So do, do you have a, a dream kind of job that you're aiming for? Yeah, I always say that the number one goal for me would be to like host my own either morning, daytime, nighttime talk show. I think that's always been the goal for me to be able to produce and host a show like that. Similar to like an Ellen DeGeneres, I think her show is absolutely incredible. Um, I think the fact that she's able to entertain people, but also give back to people would be like the coolest thing to me. I I, I love that feeling of like making somebody feel happy and, you know, being able to have some sort of impact on someone's life, whether that's, you know, a donation or opening doors for someone else. I'm a big, big advocate, big fan of that. So I think that the ultimate goal would be to be able to have my own daytime, nighttime talk show. Looking back, what what is one piece of advice that you'd give to someone hoping to follow in your career path? Uh, sounds pretty cliche, but I would say uh, like just go do it. Um, one thing that I used to do in terms of wanting to have my own show would be creating like show decks and ideas for people. But in today's world, ideas aren't enough. You kind of either have to go create like a proof of concept or just go do it on your own. And so that's like one thing that I did for the e-show is I just went out and created a pilot on my own. I kind of knew the concept that they wanted. I just went out and created like a full version of a pilot for the show and they loved it enough to pick me up as a producer and a host. So, you know, like if I created a deck for them, it wasn't going to be enough for them to actually see it in front of them and be able to see what I'm like behind camera. So if I were to give advice to anyone, it would just be like, you know, whatever that is that you want to do, just do it, create it, put it out there in the world and just continue to run with it. It's not going to happen overnight. So you got to keep pushing, 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 pushing and just and just make it happen. I know a big thing with, with with people creating content is insecurity and and the fear of you know what people are going to say or think about their content. Um, how, have you had any of those moments, and, and how have you dealt with with those moments of insecurity or, or doubt and overcome them? A hundred percent, I've had those moments. You know, a, a lot of my videos when I first started would get reposted by a lot of these sports pages, and so people didn't really have any idea who I was or connection to who I was. And so, you know, you read a lot of the comments. Why is this kid being posted? Who is this kid? Like, what is this? Like, whatever the comments may be. But at the end of the day, I knew I was getting a lot of love. And, you know, basketball's opened a lot of doors for myself. And just whether it's, you know, a local pickup game or a private game at someone's house, it's just people have complimented what I've done and really shown, you know, like, there are very wealthy, successful people that I've never met that I've played basketball with or like reached out to me to play basketball or make videos or whatever the case may be. And so just you get the you got to pay attention to like the little signs in life that show you that you're on the right path. And that kind of helps you keep pushing. What is Austin doing in 2026? Austin in 2026? uh, Ideally, if I were to hit on all cylinders would be to have my own talk show and to be DJing in Vegas on the weekends and have um, hopefully some hit songs out. We've been in the studio making some music. So I think a combination between having some hit music and um, having my own nighttime talk show would be awesome. There you go. Uh, Anything you want to plug? 
Uh, no, just at Austin J Mills on pretty much all socials. Austin Mills on YouTube. Um, just keep following along. Hopefully, uh, we make some of these dreams come true. I, I think you're gonna do it. <laughs> uh, thank you, man. I, I, pre- I, pre- I appreciate the time. Uh, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Keep killing it. Thank you. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.